Romans chapter 8. We'll be in verses 5 to 8 this morning. Uh, the title of the sermon is The Absolute Security of the Children of God. And uh, that comes from Charles Hodge in the beginning of his commentary on chapter 8. He, he expresses that the, the, the main theme of all of chapter 8 is the absolute security of the children of God. And it's beautiful where it lies in the context. Uh, we, have just, we have just studied Romans 7, and, and as every believer has gone through a Romans 7, uh, Romans 7 experience and continues to at times, uh, their sin is made public, they, they realize it, they wrestle with it, they fight it. Uh, sometimes Christians come to me and they've been fighting a particular sin for 20 years. And, and they get to that Romans 7 part in their lives. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of sin? And then the beautiful answer comes at chapter 7. Thanks be to God. And really those first three verses of chapter 8 kind of work more as a conclusion of chapter 7. So we looked at that last week. Uh, these three things happen in those first three verses, the first four verses of chapter 8. Uh, the apostle makes this beautiful declaration. Uh, and, and, and we talked about this last week, that this is a, this is a declaration that empowers our life. It is, a, it is a statement of truth from our Heavenly Father concerning His children. It is not something we work towards. It is a descriptor of who the people of God are. And he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He makes that declaration. And again, it's beautiful in its context. The apostle's talking about, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. That's the same dude that just wrote our confession that we used this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to use my mouth for good, and I use my mouth for bad. I, I, I want to be generous, but instead I'm stingy. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The second thing he does is explain it. Here's why there's no condemnation. The law of the Spirit of life, it has set me free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God's done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. That's why we are not condemned. We are not condemned as Christians because Christ took it upon himself. And then verse 4 this great expectation. Why would God do all of this? He is perfectly fine on his own, didn't need to create. He is not uh, some uh, person that, I, I, I wanna have a bunch of children so someone loves me when I'm older. <laughs> he, is, he is fine, but it tells us in verse four, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us in order that we would become what we were intended to become, in order that God's children would fully mature. See, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not to give us some kind of magical powers that we can walk around and command things to happen. It is to form us into this image of Christ. It is to take what has been declared about us, that we are righteous, declared righteous, and we are going to be made righteous. So in order that the righteous requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us, and, and here's the phrase that leads into this morning's message, who, in describing Christians, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, so in this next text, we're going to have that theme. It's going to go all the way through these two ways of living. 
right? There is uh, walk accordingly, live accordingly, and mindset accordingly. There is a way of life. It is a way of acting. It is a way of thinking. It is a way of hoping. It is a way of purpose that is Christian. And so that's where we are, walking according to the Spirit. That's going to be, again, fleshed out in verses 5 to 8 and the remainder of the chapter. This morning's text, Romans 8, 5 to 8. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Again, our text starts with the word for, or it could be uh, since, or because. It's connected to the previous text. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Verse 6. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Uh, the gospel offers that in a way that nothing else does. The gospel of Jesus Christ offers life and peace together. You ever been around someone who does not want to live? It is because they are not at peace. And the concept of peace, or the Hebrew concept of shalom, uh, is not just war is over, but anxiety is over, worry is over, fears are removed. To live in shalom with our God is a life of peace. It is a life of being known and being loved. And the gospel gives us that. And I just want to pause for a minute because we are in a world that longs for that. People do terrible things to themselves. People seek and work and hard and sacrifice just to have that. I, I, I want life, but I, I want life with peace. I've probably said this before, but it is no wonder that some people, their relationships are all their pets. Then the pet's not quite at peace sometimes. <laughs> but, but it is a, a life where you come in, and this, this animal's not going to say something bad about me. This animal's going to love me no matter what I look like, no matter how smart I am, no matter what car I drive. Right? And it, it's, it's not a wonder to me that we have seen in our society really this elevation of pets. Right? We don't buy pets anymore. We adopt them. The stickers on the back of the minivan now include the kitty cat, the bird. Right? Now, I don't want to speak down because many of us, if we did a sticker, it would be our family in our truck. Right? <laughs> But we want life. We just long for peace. And it's beautiful in the center of this that the walk of the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, is a life of peace and shalom. 
The sermon in the sentence this morning, similar to what we saw really in chapter 5, that the union with Christ, to be united and joined with Christ, that a believer receives, doesn't just change our status. It gives us a whole different existence, uh, a new nature, uh, a renewed mindset, new conduct, new outcomes. Now, it's really important that we grasp it, and I felt the weight this week especially, that, that people understand that to be a Christian involves a mindset change. And I kept thinking all week, how can I illustrate that point? Best I've come up with so far is a SIM card. You know, when the phones were first out, you could uh, you get these phones on eBay, and you could get one that was jailed. They, they said, my phone's been jailed. They've done a jailbreak on my phone. Anybody remember that? I don't know if you still do that or not. But if you bought your phone at an AT&T store, and all of a sudden you wanted to do Verizon, your phone was like stuck. You had to get a new phone. Or you could, now you could get the SIM card that changes all of its operations. The mindset for a Christian is, is quite similar. Things just don't work the same anymore. When you become a Christian, you're a new creation. There's a change from the inside out, and there's a new way of thinking. Now, I love that he's put it here because so many people treat this life by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit or being led by the Holy Spirit kind of as this, my mind is empty and I'm open to whatever as opposed to my mind is being constantly saturated with the gospel, the word, and the means of grace. I am being led by the Spirit such that when I read the word, it is applied to me personally, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel abused by it. I feel led by it. I feel loved by it. I feel directed by it. Um, I would say that those who walk away from Christianity, and we've probably had it all in our families, Maybe some of you are considering it. Those who have done that failed to grasp this point. So as, as Presbyterians, and we'll hear about this in our intro class, we do church discipline. We excommunicate people. I know you're thinking of like a Monty Python movie or something. That doesn't happen anymore. We've got, we're done with that. We excommunicate people. To excommunicate a person is to tell a person, as far as the leadership of this church is concerned, you are acting and living in a way that appears that you don't know the Lord. And so we are excommunicating you. You are uninvited to the Lord's table. We take it so seriously that we want you to consider where you're going, what you're thinking, and what you're doing. But the start of it is the mindset. The start of it is, in my mind, there is something about Christianity that I don't like anymore. Oh, I accepted him when I was in seventh grade, and we had this great camp, and we had music, and it was wonderful, and all the people that were Christians were the really cool ones. But now, it's not quite so cool to be a Christian anymore. In fact, in my lifetime, we have seen Christians as a whole, the concept of Christians in our society, it has moved from harmless idiots to hateful bigots. We see people that walk away from Christianity, they have not grasped that the whole mind has to be washed, cleansed, and God is going to do that. They find some truth about Christianity, some new attack. A lot of times it's, uh, it's morality, it's personal choices, um, freedoms, doctrines, and they find it out, like, well, wait a minute, I didn't know this was this way. Wait a minute, I, you know, this, we're not, 
this is sin now? Uh, I, I wasn't sure that was sin before. I didn't know this was sin. I didn't know I was this way. Um, and so if I don't do a good job of explaining it today, make sure you grasp it. Christianity is a mindset. It is a intellectually stimulating religion. One of the hardest things I ever heard was the Hindu neighbors that we had in Virginia. Our church did Christianity Explored, and um, we invited our neighbors from Sri Lanka. We started out with a nice dinner, and, and there was just an introduction to Christianity. Um, it was really well done. Um, and I, uh, I met with the dad, oh, maybe the next week, and he just had this nice smile on his face and said, what, he said, what Christians don't get is that Hinduism, it's not just a religion. It, it, it is a way of looking at the entire world. It is a way of life. And Christianity is not like that. And oh, that just hurt me so much that that's what had been presented. That Christianity is, it, it, it's not, it doesn't deal with the world, doesn't deal with creation and fall and redemption and consummation and eternity. All it deals with is morals. But you know, that's where we are today. Christianity is, uh, and, and now you can choose what flavor is kind of least offensive to you. As opposed to saying, my, my mind is set on the things of God. That will over, that will, that will, that will trump my feelings. It will trump my culture. It will trump my family. My mind is set on him. And so, um, let, let's, let's take this apart. First, uh, first verse, two different mindsets. Verse 5, John Stott said, the nature determines the mindset. Uh, Ephesians, he says the same thing. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, listen to this, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Right? There are two different mindsets in the world. It really does. It boils down to that. There are two different mindsets. And just as in chapter 7, he talks about uh, the, the, the sin that lives in me and the righteousness and the battle that goes on, it's the same with the mindset. A Christian can fall back into, and often we do, into a fleshly mindset. I run into it all the time. Uh, they, they have, in some sense, uh, confirmed that they believe Jesus died for their sins, but, but their mindset of value and worth and what life should look like is exactly the same as it was before you were a Christian. Now, I share this illustration with you, too, and, and it, I pause to do it because it makes it seem like I'm some great guy. I am not a great guy. <laughs> I'm a man that wrestles with those same things. I'm a man that wrestles with coveting. Um, but when, I, when Tammy and I really believed that we were called to go into ministry, I wrestled with it a long time. She was ready to give everything up before I was. And I, I wrestled with it a long time because I had stuff. I had a good job. I was respected in church. Of all my peers, I had the nicest car. I, 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 I was in a mindset still of the flesh. 
and I was loving it. It wasn't, it wasn't outwardly sinful, um, but I wrestled with it because my dad was a preacher and he always had the worst car of everybody. Right? Always the worst car. And, and Christmas wasn't nearly as good as everybody else in the church's Christmas. Right? All those things were in my mind. And I wrestled with it. But, but finally, when it, when it really came down to it, and I felt like I was surrendering my vocation to the Lord, I had to explain it to some non-Christian family members. And, and this, was the, this was the difference in mindset. Uh, two non-Christian family members looked at me as if I'd lost my mind. And, and one kept going over and over again. Let me get this again. You're making good money now, right? Because it seems like you're making really good money right now. You're going to stop doing that and go live like a poor college student with your whole family for three years in order to get a job that's going to pay less than half. Correct. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me understand this again. Right? And then I remember explaining it to another non-Christian family member. And it was the same thing, except he figured out why I was doing it. He goes, oh, I know why. Uh, you'll start that way, but once your church gets bigger and bigger and bigger and has more campuses, then you'll make more money, right? And he didn't say that in any way to be offensive to me. He wasn't calling me a charlatan. He was trying to figure out in his mind the way life works. What are you doing? That's a mindset difference. And, and if you're a Christian and you don't wrestle with that, you need to start wrestling with that. And if you're raising children and you're not teaching them that, you need to start teaching them that. There is a system of worth, value, good, bad, it, that, 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 that is, is different than this world. And so he says there's two, there's two mindsets. The mind that is set... On the spirit is a mind that brings life and peace. Walking by the spirit involves us. It is conscious movement on our side. We consciously move ourselves to it. It is a thinking religion. It is a critical thinking religion. You must weigh value statements you must weigh hopes, dreams, affections. You must look at your checkbook. You must look at your schedule. It is a way of life and thinking. Living according to the flesh, our text says, set, set your mind on the flesh. And the flesh, it's a, it's a big descriptive term. It doesn't just mean flesh and blood, actual body. It, it, it just means a way, and, and the flesh is, is a good way of describing it because that's, that's one of the greatest, greatest um, reasons people don't like Christianity. They want to do with their actual flesh, with their bodies, what they want to do with their bodies. They want to let their bodies rule their minds. Walking by the Spirit involves this conscious movement. There is really no neutral, there is no blank, or really even an open mind. There is a mind that receives the teachings of Christ, and there is a mind, uh, an undisciplined mind, that accepts the teaching of the world. This is common throughout Scripture. Colossians 3, the Apostle says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
feeding of the mind. 1 Corinthians 2. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them. They're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm going to read two quotes, one from uh, John Murray and one from uh, John Stott. John Murray writes that, that the changing of one's mindset and the understanding of the concept, the mindset is that which is all-absorbing, objects of thought, interest, affection, and purpose. Stott says it's a question of what then preoccupies us, of the ambitions which drive us, and the concerns which engross us, of how we spend our time and our energies, of what we concentrate on and give ourselves up to. All this is determined by who we are, whether we're still in the flesh or now by new birth in the Spirit. I used to take pride that I could meet some of your friends, and I tried as long as I could to uh, meet people, whether it's neighbors. I tried uh, for as long as I could to not tell them I was a preacher. Because as soon as I told them I was a preacher, just everything changed. I mean, it was just, it's just, it's just funny, like to me. It's just they, they get all scared and they start apologizing for things they said, you know, two weeks ago, a month ago, and and you know, you're a preacher, you don't find this stuff funny, right? It, it just, it's just, it's it's hilarious to me. But then it started to bother me that it was being a preacher. It wasn't being a Christian. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't. This, this is a. This is a person like, like, a, like a, like a, like a plumber or a businessman or whatever, who who loves and serves Christ. No, it's a preacher, and therefore, I have to change my behavior. Those we work with, those we live next door to us, they should pick up on something wrong with our minds. <laughs> they should, on occasion, ask, "Why have you done that? Why are you a good neighbor to me?" When my dog takes a huge dump on your yard every week and you clean it up, why would you treat me as though I mean something? Your employees should find the same thing. You're a different boss than any that I've worked for or worked with. Why is that? Seems like you're not so consumed with the bottom line as you are with me. You know, our world longs for it. Mindset of the flesh is about idolatry in all of its forms. Acquiring, achieving, winning, putting others down, proving yourself. Pride, hubris, self-righteousness. The mindset of the spirit is consumed by Jesus. Who he is, what he's done, what he has achieved, what he has won. It longs to glorify God in their deeds and their actions. Brothers and sisters, we, we will fight this as believers. I find myself running to the, the mindset of the flesh all the time to prove myself. Among strangers, here's what I know, here's what I've done. It, it's so weird how it just creeps in. You know? Nice striped bass. Look at this picture of the one I caught. It's bigger than yours. Love me. I mean, it just, it, it's, just, it's just everywhere. And you know why? It comes natural, and it's easy. 
much easier for us as a community of God's people to sit around and talk about the chiefs, the thunder, politics. It is. It's just easy. It's simple. We could be a people that could have so much more. People that could talk deeper, not just on Sunday mornings, but in our gatherings, in our time together, in our meals together, in our lunches together. There's two different patterns of conduct. Verse 7 8. We'll get back to verse 6 in just a minute. But, but there's two different patterns of conduct. The mind that's set on the flesh, it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So when a person says, I believe in God, but not the one of the Bible, or the God I believe in, uh, I, you know, I like Jesus, but not God the Father, or, that, that is a mind of the flesh. It is hostile to God, and it, it refuses to submit to our God. It refuses to say, what you say is right, what you say is best. Um, those are in the flesh, cannot please God. We had family over, an extra 12 people in our home, and then one night two other guys showed up, so we had 14 people in our home. It was a madhouse, it was crazy. There's uh, food everywhere, dust, dirt, little kids. I think there were 700 Chacos laid out through our house. Um, they all left on Saturday morning, and I looked at Tammy and I said, Tammy, um, I got no words. I got no no bandwidth. I, I, I just want you to understand, I am not treating you in the spirit while I write my sermon on living in the spirit. <laughs> I'm treating you in the flesh, and uh, it's not because of anything you've done. But in some sense, I was saying, I, I want you to understand my mindset right now. My mindset right now is 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 finishing some work. And, and I've got to and I got to focus on that. And at one point she goes, I'm glad you told me that because otherwise I'd be walking on eggshells. She goes, I'm really glad you told me that. I said, that's why I told you that. Because <laughs> I, I can't be warm and fuzzy and, in, and interested in this or that right now. I, I got to focus on this. Sunday is a coming and um, I got to focus on this. Wouldn't it be wonderful, though, if, if, if our mindset was that way? I'm going to talk at the end about how, how, it, how it works and how it is fed. Um, but there are different patterns of conduct. There's a hostility towards God, doesn't submit, and there's a submission towards God. Oftentimes in pastoral counseling, when I talk to people, uh, often, often concerning their children, uh, they are concerned about changing the behavior of their child. When we really should be concerned about changing hearts, they're doing something because they love something, because they need something, because something is being blocked. Uh, postmodern counseling is even worse. It's, well, it's not you, it's everyone else's perception of you. You need to remove yourself from anybody that's going to maybe not agree with you and your decisions and your choices. But the mindset of the Christ, mindset of the Spirit, is different. Uh, Matthew 16 Again, I'm telling, you, I'm telling you this because it applies to Christians. All right? a, a non-Christian does not have the Spirit in them, and they do, they do not have a mindset that understands. Like it says, it is foolishness to them. Um, Matthew 16, Jesus is telling Peter, here's, what, here's what's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be beaten and flogged, and I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be cruci- crucified, and the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. Right? That's, that's Jesus. It, it wasn't a mistake. 
is what he sent for. He said, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And then Peter says, uh, no, 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 Lord, that'll never, ever happen. No, I'm going to pull my sword. That's not going to happen to you. Right? We can understand that. We don't want it to happen, but what does Jesus do? That's okay, Peter. You don't really get it. I appreciate your thoughts for me, you know, that you love me and you want to protect me. No. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And then he explains it. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Verse 6, right in the center of this text, there are two different outcomes. The mind that's set on the flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the spirit is life and peace. A Christian can set their minds on the flesh. They will produce dead works, works that empty us, that hurt others, that alienate people from ourselves and from God. Luther writes in his commentary on this verse, we are deeply curved in on ourselves. That is the mind of the flesh, and that's what it produces. We have an epidemic, I think, of narcissism in our culture. Every narcissist points out other narcissists. Uh, it, is, uh, it, is, it is scary um, how even that behavior and that mindset is being fed by the flesh. The mindset of the spirit produces life. And so John Murray says, we should surely pursue holiness with greater eagerness if we were convinced that it is the way of life and peace. John Stott says, thus our mind, where we set it, how we occupy it, it plays a key role in both our present conduct and our final destiny. And so we are called then into an ever-deepening relationship with God, with ourselves, and with our church. So brothers and sisters, as we put together liturgy and as I have catechism, it is that we will think rightly we will think rightly. Just as an athlete, athlete continues to do all of these exercises so that the gut response is not to think about something, but it comes out. When you find your gut response and your first response is worldly and fleshly and, and, and doesn't, is not in, at all different than someone who doesn't know our Savior, you have to go back and, and renew your mind. Now here's how we do that. We seek a deeper relationship with God. The first is, is, is we affirm that there's got to be a deeper way of thinking. It's got to be deeper than just externalities. It's got to be my affections. It's got to be when I am angry. Lord, I, I got angry, but rather than just don't be angry, what is going on in my heart? It is a deeper way of prayer. Right? The, the, the Christian approaches the Lord, as David did, and says, Search me, O God, and find in me any way that is displeasing. Guide me that I may walk in paths of righteousness. Our prayers become so much deeper. They're less boring. Here's my list of people that I need to get better. Here's the things I want to happen. Here's, how, here's the sales I want to make. Right? We, we surely pray those things. And you hear me pray it every Sunday. But there's a deeper way of prayer and intimacy with our Father. And it comes when the Spirit is in you and you say, I am not condemned anymore. I know that. Therefore, Father, have your way with me. Show any way that is displeasing. 
Then it goes even one step deeper. It goes into the Christian community where we love and trust one another to say, you can search me. I am giving you permission because I love you. You love me and we love Christ and we are brothers and we're sisters and we are hand in hand together. We're seeking a deeper relationship with God. You have freedom to point that out to me. Where I react to my husband or my children or, or, or people notice your blind spots. A deeper way of thinking, a deeper way of prayer and a deeper walk. My notes in my Bible a couple years ago when I was studying it, I just, I just wrote in the side of this, uh, what's wrong with my fruit tree? So I, you may not know this, but I try to grow tomatoes. I'm the absolute worst tomato grower in the history of tomatoes. Tammy buys now, she gets better tomatoes every year and I keep killing them every year. This year she bought them, they already had like tomatoes on the vine, right? Like, how bad can that go? Here you go, Mark, you know, they're, they're, they were there. One had four tomatoes on the vine. You know how many tomatoes we've gotten off that one so far? Zip. I blamed it on my, my brother's kids last year because they pulled all the green ones off. Thought that was fun. Uh, so she got two different types this year. She got ones with the little ones, right? That, that, that thing looks like a, like a Holocaust survivor. You know, I mean, it's just it's just the worst. Right. So then yesterday, my neighbor, Joseph, Papa Joe, you guys see him on Patricia Island. Papa Joe comes by with these just beautiful tomatoes. You guys need tomatoes? Yes, we do. <laughs> I, I, there's something wrong with the vine. There's something wrong with what I'm feeding it. There's something wrong with where I've set it in the yard. There is something wrong because the fruit is gone and it is bad. Right? The, the right thing to do is not to go to the store and buy some really good-looking tomatoes and try to tape them to my vine. Right? That's not the answer. That's why we don't go to the law to save us. The law tells us that our tomatoes are rotten. And the gospel says, feed on me. Feed on the sufficiency of Christ. Fill your mind with higher thoughts. And I will produce fruit in you we call it the means of grace not in the Roman Catholic sense that we've lost grace and that we need a certain amount to kind of get us through in case we die today but it is the means by which God communicates his grace to us it is the preaching of the word it is the singing and, and, and the corporate worship of God and it is the sacrament our God feeds us mysteriously. He feeds the vine in this sacrament.